Welcome to the Avi Om experience. Oh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. We need that pace slowing down. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I heard a new joke the other day. What did the snail say when he jumped on the turtle's back? Slow wee! down, you're going too fast. No, wee! <laughs> 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 oh, it's a dumb joke, but I just had to share it. <laughs> um. Weird elf community. So she does have a fun side, but now she also has a completely other side, the side of wisdom. I am really passionate that I believe yoga should heal and not hurt. And, and that's on a physical level, mental, emotional, spiritual level. Um, I've been teaching yoga for 25 years and was fortunate to learn, I guess, what I'm going to call true yoga, steeped in the teachings and traditions of yoga philosophy. And it was really more about inspiration than perspiration. And I feel that while many people are teaching with the best of intentions, um, and there are a lot of people out there that need yoga, um, I feel, I just, I wish that everyone could experience um, the level of training that takes them back to what true yoga is supposed to be. And that is Marsha Nealon. Not only is she a friend of ours, she is a certified yoga instructor. She also has her certification in meditation. She comes with our she comes down to our retreats in Maui. And as you're listening to this, AV is going to be in transit going to Mexico to help Marsha co-host in you know, obviously in Mexico and they're going there for about a week or so. So, we wanted to get her on the podcast before she leaves and just diverge all of her wisdom through yoga, her practice and so we dive into that. We dive into the into space, into books even. And the most important thing that I was able to extract from this conversation is this. And I'm going to give it to you right from the beginning. Wisdom is slow. Knowledge is fast. So sit back. Sit slow. Be still. And enjoy this week's Avion experience. What's going on, love? Not much. How are you? Doing good. What's going on in your world today? You know, um, our world is uh, coming out of our deep freeze, which is fantastic. And, you know, you and I were talking about that the other day because we were here um, in Michigan and it was like minus 40 below zero. So it was a, a bit intense for not only us in the humans and animals and our world, but this weekend we're pushing 50. Which is fantastic. And you and I were talking the other day that, you know, this it's crazy erratic weather, but, you know, grateful that the earth, uh, mother earth, mother nature has a swell to breathe. So all these beautiful animals and nature um, can step into a pause of this bitterness um, before it resumes. So I'm grateful that we have this pause of, you know, nice swell of beautiful energy. Right. Why are you holding on to the microphone? Because I like feel that? like singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you know, you can let 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 the grip go. I like bit. it. I'm gonna hold it today. It's called the uh, polar vortex, which is a pretty cool name. It's actually a movie name. But one of the things I share with you, and I, I seen a picture of this, was how uh, alligators, because there's no crocodiles here, but 
alligators were freezing in in whatever they're in lakes well not lakes or swamps or whatever so they, in north carolina they were freezing in it but they knew enough where they stick their nose or Snout. whatever you want the snow yeah, yeah. so they stick it out of the water and you know the people have, have been taking pictures of alligators with their snout sticking out but everything else is frozen so they're frozen underneath and so what happens is they're like hibernating right half out because of the water. as the water you know obviously as it begins to get colder and colder and colder that the alligators system begins to say okay what's getting slower so i'm going to start slowing down so what happens is it starts the internals of, of an alligator begins to slow down to a point where it completely shuts off but it, it's doing it as the water is freezing and so, of course, the water freezes, their snout is out, and they're stuck. And then when it starts um, melting or getting warmer like it is, then their bodies, as the temperature starts, you know, again, to raise in the water, their body's temperature starts to rise. And next thing you know, it's like a hibernation. They, they, they swim out. Like, so they don't die. But Thank that's goodness. pretty weird when you can take pictures of their snout soles uh, out of the Well, they the know water. what they're doing. Right. I think that goes back to, yeah, well, they, that's an innateness, you know, it's kind of that fight or flight that they know what they're supposed to do. So. No, for sure. And, and I do want to talk about, you know, for me anyway, this is something that came to me in meditation today and maybe it might flow into today's conversation, maybe not, but about slowing down, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, kind of taking that slow approach. And I have some ideas centered around that. And so hopefully maybe someone we have with us may have, may be able to help with that in a sense. But why don't you let us know who's, who's hanging out with us this Oh evening. my goodness. Well, the, the, the great, we finally have her on because it's been like, you know, weeks in the action of getting the schedule because she has a crazy schedule and we have a crazy schedule. So we're able to do this. But um, if anyone listens uh, to the backstories, her name um, has been mentioned multiple times um, in our podcast, just even with other people that we've had um, on. And we have our um, beloved Marsha Neeland from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, um, the the yoga guru who I love to um, talk about. And um, she has a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful studio in Cedar Rapids called Fusion. And um, um, we're so grateful to have her. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you, Aviana and Christopher. (laughs) I feel honored, absolutely honored that you have invited me to be on your new inspirational podcast. And um, right now I'm smiling ear to ear and <laughs> and sweating a little at the same time. I'm just excited. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Oh my gosh. You know, um, you're one of our most favorite people in the whole entire world. And, you know, we met, you know, a few years ago and it was, you know, almost an instant connection uh, in our meditation training with uh, Sarah McLean and out in Sedona, we went, we were a part of her first uh, certification program and uh, we met and uh, like right even before the intensive started 
And, um, and we've kept that connection, you know, ever since then. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that I love about meeting people at different venues and certifications or programs that we attend, because it's that, you know, it's kind of cliche, but we talk about the people with like minds and like energies and things like that. But I have, we have to go into that, um, story because, (laughs) um, just a little bit, because it, it makes me chuckle every single time because you weren't even quite sure of um like this kind of crazy woo woo stuff that i do because i remember when we started talking about it you're like mm, okay like but like you were mm-hmm. you were curious but you weren't necessarily um maybe you hadn't been around someone that does all this crazy woo woo stuff uh-uh. or it was newer i'm i'm not quite sure but i re- i remember <laughs> that you were so open to it and then obviously our friendship just like blossomed because we stayed in touch. Um, you know, clearly we're still yeah. in touch, you know? Yes. Well, I, I guess one of my strong, uh, virtues is that I've always been very curious. And so I think my curiosity was peaked, um, when I met you and the more I listened to you and I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. I'm going to keep my mind open and my heart open. And uh, first of all, you were you were my uh, beloved Uber driver before Uber <laughs> right. was even in. Right, right. We were staying at the same hotel, and I thought I was going to be in walking distance of the venue, but indeed it was not walking distance. And I reached out to you to, uh, through Facebook to see if, uh, hey, is anyone um, open and have a car that I could ride with? And so we rode back and forth every day, and we just got to know each other. And I remember us sitting out on a swing outside of that hotel, just talking and you were kind of sharing how you were moving in this direction. It hadn't been that long since you had left the corporate world. And, and then as the week went on, (laughs) um, as we were driving in the car and we had another passenger as well, and you would do the spontaneous reading and I would see this person's eyes pop out of their head and I'd be like, (laughs) Oh my, she has some <laughs> secret superpower. I'm really curious. <laughs> and and then the gong bath night, remember? Oh, I was like, gosh. Wow. I think that was a little over the top, you know, that night. So I'd never seen anything like it. I think that that's why I was you know, so enamored by, you know, everything. And it was, I think that that was, I'll never forget. Um, well, I'll let you share the story because it comes better coming oh, from my you. Goodness. Well, <laughs> so it was our graduation ceremony the last night and we were at Sarah McLean's house, a beautiful house up in the Red Rock of, of Sedona. And we'd had this beautiful gong bath where we just all laid down and absorbed the sound of the gong for, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes. And we were leaving and we had to drive, you know, through the dark and these windy roads. And Aviana was driving. Uh, A friend of ours was in the passenger seat and I was in the back seat. And we're driving down the lane in the dark. And all of a sudden she's like holding the steering wheel at 10 and 2 and looking out with big eyes going, oh, my gosh, do you see them all? Do you see them? Do you see them? And I'm looking like she's crazy. (laughs) I don't know what she's talking about. And I'm looking like, is she talking about fireflies or lightning bugs? I don't see anything. And uh, she's like, there's spirits everywhere, just everywhere. They're walking. They're everywhere. The gong must have brought them out. And thinking, oh my, this is interesting. He's and I just, it, right? I just said, are you okay to drive? Like, <laughs> do you need me to drive? <laughs> I know that that's probably, you know, I think that, um, 
you know, uh, we'd been together for the whole week and, and, um, I, when I see something like that and I don't typically, I very rarely see them when I'm driving, but it does happen, you know, where I can see them on the side of the road or almost like they, they stand, they pull, they walk out in front of you and it, you like crouch, like, you know, like how when birds swoop and you think that you're going to hit them, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with, with spirits. And a lot of times, not often, but it does happen where they, they venture out on the roads and I feel like I'm you know, swooping, you know, are going to hit them, but obviously, you know, you go through them. It's, but it it can be a little, a little, um, you know, interesting when, when you're driving, but coming back, you know, after that gong bath, it was like a concert of them. It was flooded. I had never seen that many of them <laughs> maneuvering. Um, and so I think I was just a little overwhelmed, but I look back at it now and go, Oh my heavens, if that would have been me in the backseat, I probably would have said, can you let me off right here? Because this crazy girl has, I don't know what she's talking about, but, um, thank you for, um, staying and being my friend because oh, I was like, <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I'm sticking around cause I'm really curious. And then then we just had this most beautiful friendship that's developed. I'm so grateful. And I uh, invited you to come teach at my women's retreat and yes. been doing that, what, almost five years now, I think. Yes. Years. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm so grateful for that. You have, you have such a beautiful um, tribe of women and men because you have a lot of men that come and uh, to your studio because of your um, yoga as well as you know meditation and um, everything that you do at at your studio. But it's um, all of I love I love going to Iowa. Um, I feel like it's a it's an extended home. Everyone is so grateful and and so loving. <laughs> You know, yes. so um, it's just beautiful. And then you're going to be coming this way um, too. And then you joined us from Maui last year and you're joining us from Maui again this year. So yeah, it's yes. good. I'm excited. Good. Very excited. Super, super good. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just, you know, um, and I've shared this with you before. It's, it's so beautiful to find and align with people who um, just support each other in every single thing um, that you do. And, and that's something that I'm, um, just so grateful for our friendship because there's never any questions. It's just, whenever we get on the phone, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. Mm -hmm. And everything starts to align. And when we're together and we hang out together, there's so much creativity that comes out and, and we can just pick up and finish each other's sentences. And, you know, <laughs> it's just, it, it just works. It's just, it just works. So yes. it's fun. I yeah. appreciate that. We sound like an old married couple. Watch out, Christopher. <laughs> Take <it> over. <laughs> it's, it's we can good. finish each other's sentences. Did you hear that? <laughs> right, I hear that. Well, you know what else is interesting is that when, um, so Marsha does these fabulous retreats in Mexico, and um, and I've always, uh, when she first invited me to go, um, it was, I was always a person that had my own room. You know, I, I have to have my own room, have my own room, and, you know, just from an energetic standpoint, and and I always like my own room. Well, last year was our first year where the resort that we were at, there was a, a little bit of um, hiccup, um, but actually worked out more beautiful where we shared a room. And now we want to share a room for, um, from here on out. So it's actually good. We were yeah. very good roommates. We very were good, good roommates. I enjoyed, enjoyed yeah. that time. 
So, so let me ask you this though, when, uh, you know, and obviously this is a, a retreat and now is the focus of this retreat that you do, is it like focused around, uh, yoga? Like, is that the, is the foundation of it? it yeah, I think yoga, I mean, a lot of the participants that sign up are yoga practitioners. Um, maybe they've had a few classes, maybe they've been studying for years. So there's a nice mix of, you know, different levels of experience. I, it's, it's many things. That's a great question. Definitely yoga is one of the tools that helps us um, get more in touch with our bodies, with our uh, spirits, and we do yoga every day. Uh, also, it's just, it's a beautiful opportunity to heal. And and uh, I see women, one of my favorite things is to see all the women show up. And granted, everyone, just from the day-to-day experience of life, we get a little tired, a little run down, we get a little disconnected from ourselves, we have many responsibilities and people counting on us. So people show up sometimes a little tired, a little weathered, a little, you know, just like, oh, I so need this. And uh, as being supported and and held uh, in nature with the ocean and this beautiful, healthy, organic food made for us, meditation, yoga, connection with each other, uh, there's so much healing that happens. By Wednesday um, of the week, I start to see people's guards coming down and things maybe bubbling up and coming out that need to need to be released. And by the end of the week, you you can't imagine like the celebration and the light that turns on in these women. And everyone goes home really feeling full and, um, you know, just really it, you can see it in their faces, like the look in their eyes, the the prana, the the vitality in their eyes is there, and their hearts are lighter. And then they go take that back out into the world, back to their families, to their communities, and it's so it's healing for them. And then they take that back home with them, and it, it's like a ripple effect. And I've been seeing I've been seeing that same thing happen for like ten to twelve years as I've done these retreats, it's just, it's like, I hold the container, I hold the space, Aviana helps definitely hold that with me in this case. And then we step back, get out of the way and let the divine come in and amazing things happen. Um, One of the things that I just have to give you props about is that you are one of the most gentle, kind, compassionate beings that I've ever met. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because obviously you're a meditation teacher. That's where we met. And your voice is fabulous. I mean, it's so good where you have this um, uh, amazing, tranquil voice, but you, you're also, your humor is fantastic. And you just, um, people just look up to you and, and myself included. And by you doing these retreats, I mean, you sell out like in seconds, like every single year you sell out in seconds because everyone wants to keep going. They never want to stop going. And that's, that's, um, major kudos to you because, you know, you just hold this magnificent space for everyone. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It means the world to me. And I, you know, I, I accept everything you said and I own it. And I, I just believe that it's a gift that I've been given. Um, I, I feel that I've been gifted with this, um, 
you know, see the possibility attitude. And I really like to, I like to think about the other day, like, what do I, somebody said the other day, what do you do? And, you know, I do many things. What came out of my mouth was organically, I just said, I like to inspire others to do the things that inspire them. Mm-hmm. I like to be an influencer in a positive way. And, um, and I do that through the tools, the practices of yoga and meditation and, you know, creating these soulful, adventurous, creative workshops and retreats. Uh, and uh, I just feel that it's my dharma. It's my purpose. It's my gift. And I love sharing it with others. And your gift keeps expanding because um, you are now doing fantastic artwork. And um, a couple of your pieces are here in our studio hanging Uh-oh. out. <laughs> yes, I felt so honored. Thank you very much. Yes, I know. I love, you know, I didn't start, uh, I call it playing with, I didn't start playing with paint until um, I started meditating regularly. And then all of a sudden, this just came out of me and I started painting. And um, I just so love the process of it. I get lost in the process. And, you know, if if the outcome is something that is pleasurable for someone else, great. But if not, I just like the process. And there are many times I paint over the same painting, painting three or four times just for the process. Mm. You're just, it's so, I mean, your work is beautiful. Like it, it's, are you, um, I know you sell some pieces and I know whenever I go to your studio, you have loads of pieces <laughs> everywhere. Like even in that back room, I'm like, holy moly, like I want to buy like 10 pieces. Um, it, do you circulate them around? Are you, do you want to like put more of them available? I, I, I feel that you should because I, I just, it's just, it's whimsical. It's fun. It's creative it just gives a really good um, energy of who you are because I mean, it's just beautiful work. Thank you. You know, I, I guess I have a hoarding problem. I should probably (laughs) release some of them. And you know, it's one of those, I think I need to step up and own, you know, the word artist um, where I'm a little shy of that. For me, it's playing with paint and I enjoy that. And People are always asking, you know, do you sell your paintings? And I mean, yes, anything's for sale and I I should put it out there more, but I definitely should because I'm running out of room. I have so many just sitting there and they're like friends to me. You know, I've, I've spent hours with these canvases and, and put my emotions into them and meditated around them. And I really should find a way to offer them into the world. Right. Um, You you know what you should be. The reason why you hold on to them is because you don't think that you can do it again. Mm, interesting perhaps right? because if because if you because if, if you know you can then it doesn't matter how many of it you give away because you can always just you know again. Cre- recreate it again well christopher's saying that because he knows the feeling <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <laughs> i have you know it's so i used to have a lot of uh drawings and oh. when i was when i was going through the process of detachment you know of letting go mm-hmm. which you know detachment and I shared this with, with AV before that I always say this, that detachment is not of this world, that it's uh, what happened. You know, my story is, you know, two cupids were playing around or two angels and they hit their halos together and it, it banged together and they said, hey, we got to detach. And so when they detached, the sprinkle of the word fell onto this world 
we picked it up and said, oh, look, detachment. And so now when we use the word detachment, we automatically assume that, you know, that it's kind of an easy process because we do throw that word around a lot. And what I mean that it's not of this world is because this world is built on relationships and to detach is to kind of not to sever the relationship, but to let things go. And so when I was going through this process of quote unquote detachment, uh, one of the things that was hard for me to let go was my drawings. And some of them was original drawings that I had from, you know, when I was, you know, in fifth and sixth Mm. grade that, you know, were pretty good. But what I wind up doing is I actually wind up when I was going through this process, I heard through meditation to let it all go. And so what I did was I wind up giving it to another young uh, artist, a beautiful young lady. She's, uh, I think, 12. And, you know, she's going through her process of, of finding her artistic talent. And so I just gave them all to her mom and I said, here you go. Well, I know her. And, uh, and so I said, here you go. You can give them all to her. her name is Lily. I said, give them all to Lily. Mm. And, um, you know, she texted me that that night. And so she was so taken aback that she was, you know, it was like midnight when she texted me. She said she, you know, started like drawing it and, and tracing over it and doing all these other things. And just to see, you know, h- how great it feels to let things go. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that going into it. You know, all I knew is through a meditation, uh, you know, if I'm going to talk about letting go, then what I need to do is detach. And and, and it's a very interesting uh, step. And I can only say this because I know that perhaps even on a deeper level of yoga and, and meditation, you're definitely like you're detaching from something, you know, whether it's an expectation, a belief. And so, but when you're going into the, the, the concept of, of yoga, and we take a spiritual approach to it, it. What is it that, you know, you feel that people are detaching from? It sounds like in your, in, in your uh, retreats that people are detaching from, you know, feelings that they had, because you're saying that, you know, by Wednesday, you know, you can see all that stuff, you know, bubbling up mm-hmm. and kind of coming out of them. Can you go into a little bit more detail with, about that? Sure. I often... Many years ago, one of my yoga teachers said, yoga is liberation from limitations. And I feel that in the case of the the retreat, um, we let go of a lot of our perceived limitations. And that might be our limited beliefs that we have about ourselves, um, our, we let go of perhaps the lies that we've been told and we believe. Um, we let go of the stories, maybe even just one story that we've been telling ourselves, or someone has told us that has created, um, a limitation in our life. You know, you're, you're not smart enough to go off to college or you're not whatever, you're not whatever enough. And we start to believe those stories. And then we put ourselves in this box and we start to feel really limited in our lives. And, and yoga teaches us the opposite. Like we are, we are full of this amazing, amazing unlimited potential. But as humans um, and our conditioning and our lives with, like you said, the beliefs and the stories and the habits, we start to feel very limited. And so when we move in our bodies, that's just one way. We move our bodies, we start to feel freer in our physicality. That has an effect on, in yoga, we call it the koshas, Um, We have five layers to our body 
And when we do yoga, it affects all five layers, the physical, the, the energy body, the emotional, the mental, and then the deepest layer is that ananda or that place of bliss. And uh, so I just always jokingly say, you know, yoga is magical. We don't know what happens, but it's just magical. But really, um, it's, it's having a positive impact on all five layers of our being. And we come out of it feeling freer. Uh, our minds feel freer. We let go of some stress. And our hearts feel freer where often we've closed down and, and are really guarding ourselves. So I believe that's what happens. We get liberated from so many of our imposed limitations. You know, one of the things that I, um, I'm just over here smiling because it goes back to, from a meditative standpoint, you know, it's, it's working, you know, with the nervous system and a lot of times of the practices with yoga and meditation, it's, um, beyond the physical, right? It, it's, it's this bubbling, it's this, this, this releasing of energy on, on so many layers and going back to what Chris was talking about. I love the quote that says, you know, um, let everything go and then see what stays, you know? So it, it's just, you, mm. you, you let go of everything and then whatever wants to stick around can stick around because we're trusting the process that whatever stays is meant to stay in this particular moment. But you, you let all that go. I want to circle back to one thing that you said in the beginning, um, because it really, really rang true, uh, for me or resonated with me. You mentioned that with your studies of uh, yoga and, um, um, who you've, you know, the, the, the style of yoga, which, um, you can talk about of, of where you're trained is connected to inspiration versus perspiration. And, um, I've been trying to get Mr. Christopher to do a, a yoga teacher training because I feel he would be fantastic about it or fantastic mm -hmm. at it. Um, from we have a, one starting in September. Ooh, <laughs> there you go. Um, he's actually going through Sarah's meditation. Um, oh, awesome. Too. Go Christopher. <laughs> I know. A little, right. Little... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so he's, he's stepping in on like all these, um, awesome levels. But one of the things that at least here at the studio, and, and you can elaborate with the inspiration versus perspiration is that we feel Chris and I feel that, um, and not that there's anything bad about movement, 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 but, um, a lot of what we're seeing here is that yoga is, um, like aerobic and not that that's bad. I mean, not, that's not bad at all. But we resonate, he and I resonate with the, um, the inspiration. So when you said, I'd never heard you say that before. And well, so I'm yeah. curious to see how, like what more of that is in alignment and what significant that inspiration plays on you. That's a very good question. What comes to mind for me is that, you know, this little sidebar you talk about, we've talked about religion there. We often hear people say there are different paths to the same source. And I think about that. If I reflect back on my own journey of how I found yoga and then how eventually I found meditation more. And, you know, we all know that, or maybe we don't know, but the purpose of yoga is to prepare one's body for meditation so that you can sit comfortably to meditate. But I reflect back to, you know, what brought me to yoga. Um, I opened the doors of my studio 18 years ago and found yoga before that. But I found I 
I was damaged goods when I found yoga and I had years of uh, of health and fitness background. I was a personal trainer and aerobics instructor and all of that. And uh, through the years of fitness classes and running, and I was also a dance, I started off as a dance major and it had really taken a toll on my body. And I realized that I needed to make some changes. So I gave yoga a try. And at first, I was drawn to yoga for a new way to work out because (laughs) that's what my body, I thrive on movement. Movement to me is medicine. And so then I would just tolerate the relaxation and the meditation portions, portions, but I was not comfortable because I didn't know how to slow down. And as the years passed, I finally learned the value of what I call the work-in component of the practice and soon found a deep sense of of well-being and and healing on many levels. So I had been working in the fitness arena for 10 years as a trainer. And then I decided to open this yoga studio because I wanted to transition my clients to a more holistic and multidimensional way of enhancing their health and well-being. So I realized through my own healing experience that yoga was a practice that honored me. It helped me put me back together. I was Humpty Dumpty falling apart. And it, um, it helped me you know, heal old injuries and find uh, a renewed strength and sense of calm. So I bring that up because the path of yoga um, then took me more towards meditation. I think after years of you know, going more in with the yoga, then I was at a place where I was ready to sit and be a little more comfortable with that. You know, I, I know some, and you know this as well, you know, like some people who have or type A plus plus personalities or might have high anxiety, the idea of sitting still just makes their skin crawl, mm-hmm. you know, so they might have to go move a little bit first and then sit still. And um, so, so as far as when I get all judgy, which I can do, not proud of it, of, oh, well, that's just like, that yoga is just exercise. That's just boot camp. That's not spiritual. <laughs> well, perhaps it's not, but perhaps it's a, it's a on-ramp for people to slowly move in the direction of going more inward. Because th- I, I feel, because that's, that was my long, slow path. Uh, and now I look back, I'm grateful for that path. It's, it's the one that, uh, you know, it just made sense for me coming from movement mania and, <laughs> and being able to actually crave now slowing down and sitting still. And, and I find myself now, the way I teach yoga now is completely different than I taught it, you know, five, even 10 years ago, um, because I feel our frantic pace of life is, you know, wearing and tearing on all, all of us, our poor little nervous systems. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I'd certainly like to give them credit. Uh, I heard some spiritual teacher recently talk about how we need the return of the turtle. There's two things. And one of the things you talked about, you know, obviously with the, you know, the slowing pace. And I want to touch on that a little bit and a little bit here. But I, a story time, kids. So I want to tell the two stories really quick. 
and, and how I came into, into the yoga. And this was way, this was, I don't know, 16, 17, maybe 18 years ago, obviously before I met AV. I, I, and this was it, interestingly enough too, this was at a time where I would have peaks of awareness, but uh, I was more of a, you know, being a player player. So I really didn't have time for no doing no headstands. Uh, well, you know, no, I wasn't the one doing headstands. And so, um, player, player. and oh, so hey, yoga class is a great place to pick up chicks. Right. Well, so, and so I, I meet this one, I meet this guy at, at, you know, where I was working at, this was in Florida, He's a stringy dude, you know, and it never ate, you know, any meat or nothing like that. And, and so, but we would have, you know, good conversations. AV knows even back then I can have really deep conceptual conversations. And, and I would have great conversations with him. We'd talk about consciousness and all this other stuff. And, and so he was intrigued. And so one time he invites me, says, hey, I'm going to this temple. You want to come? You know, at the time I'm like, yeah, whatever. It sounds cool. You know, I'm down with that. And um, it was a yoga temple. And I didn't know this. And so we go in there, never done yoga before. And so he's kind of explaining it to me like, you know, hey, you know, we're going to sit. We're going to be in this place. And. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to, and we're just going to be in silence. And, and so I was intrigued and I said, okay, cool, whatever. And so point being, and to get, go fast forward on this, we were there for about 90 minutes. And I think we did about two, maybe three, um, uh, poses, uh, poses, if that <laughs> afterwards we had some tea and, and we just, you know, stood there for another half an hour after it was over, just silent. And, um, this person had a, like a Zen garden out back. It was his, mm. like it was a giant house that he just reconverted into a temple. Afterwards, I said, you know, what, like, what is this? You know, and he says, well, this is yoga. And I was like, really? And so, yeah. And, and it was really inexpensive at the time to remember. It was like if 25 bucks a month and you can go unlimited amount of times except for Sundays, because I they did something on Sundays. I don't know. And so I did this for, I would say close to a year um, where I went there sporadically because it was only about five or 10 minutes away from where I lived. This was my introduction to yoga where it was maybe one pose, two poses tops. And most of the times we were just sitting in silence and having tea at the end and wow. having even deeper conversations. You know, it was just, it, it was such an amazing experience. And of course, then I went on my way um, to do my thing. That's how I come to know yoga. Now, fast mm. forward, you know, I don't know, fast forward a few years, you know, AV and I are together. We're like, you know, hey, you know, we want to explore this yoga thing. So we take this one class. Oh, my heavens. This lady is, is give crazy kudos to this lady. This lady comes in class. She's going to start the class. By the way, this lady is about, I don't know, 89 years old. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to be a joke. And so she does the first pose and the second pose and the third pose and the fourth. By the time she was on her 10th pose, I was like four poses behind trying to catch up and the last pose was a headstand and this you know lady got on her head and did the headstand and i was like wow i was so taken aback but the point being is that like you guys were saying it was an aerobic olympic you know thing and i was and i told av afterwards i'm never coming back to this because to me that to me and this is my my conception of it to me that mm -hmm. wasn't yoga it was mm -hmm. that's when i started saying well, it's, you know, it felt like an aerobic class and, and aerobics mm -hmm. is cool and everything, but then call it aerobics, don't call it yoga. Well, especially the, when you went, the first class that you went to was more probably like a yin class, you know, where you right. hold, you know, a, a pose for, you know, 
several minutes at a time and you are just breathing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are so many different styles and traditions of yoga. And I always tell people when they're asking about, you know, or they'll say, you know, I took a yoga class once and it's just not for me or, you know, maybe something happened. And and it makes me sad to think that they just give up after one class. I always say, you know, yoga is like Baskin Robbins, which is an ice cream chain here. (laughs) There's so many flavors, right? Mm -hmm. So if you took a, a class and you had Rocky Road flavor and you didn't like that flavor, don't give up on it. Try another class, try another style, try another teacher, because there's so much benefit that you're missing out on. Um, so, you know, shop around a little bit, read about the different styles. Um, and I think everyone can find a style or tradition that fits them. <clears throat> but I just, you know, it makes me sad for when I hear people just give up on it because perhaps they didn't have, you know, the experience that they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of different experiences out there. So, uh, you know, and every time I go to a class, I love to go to other teachers' classes when I travel. <clears throat> I always go... And I, I just put my beginner's mind on and I always learn something. And, and sometimes I learn what I don't want to do. And, uh, but I always try to look for the good. Like there's this person there, uh, you know, serving and, uh, you know, for the most part with good intention. And so, uh, yeah, it's hard. And, you know, I, I can talk all day about <clears throat> teaching because I, I do teacher trainings. And one of the important things, number one thing we talk about in our teacher training is that there's a difference, I believe, between a yoga teacher versus a yoga instructor. Mm. And many times I feel like an instructor, you know, and oftentimes it it's that maybe they just don't have enough experience or maybe still working on their confidence level. I understand that it takes time. But when the way we teach is that we don't want you up on your mat. You know, if you need to show an example of something, great. If you need to inspire someone with a demonstration, great. But as a teacher, you need to be circulating through the room. You need to be watching the students. You need to be, you know, noticing their facial expressions. You need to be gently assisting if need be. That's a teacher. You need to be giving them information not up on your mat, like follow the leader here, look at my pose, follow me. Um, sometimes that's necessary. But if, if I noticed my teachers up on the mat the whole time, I'll just gently take them aside and say, Hey, you taught a great class, but I'd really like for you to be off your mat more. Mm, I like that. You know, when I do yoga, um, here in Michigan, there's a class that I love, you know, you, you become in tuned with different teachers and, you know, different, mm-hmm. um, as you said, you know, different types and things like that. And, and there's a particular teacher that I like here and I love her classes. I attend other classes, but she's where I go. Like I like, I like sure. that energy and she's not on their mat. She's circulating the room and every now and again, she'll just, um, you know, and I, I know some people don't like to be touched. You know, she she asks us, you know, can I come and, you know, position you or if there's something that needs to be tweaked, you know, or are you OK with that? So she invites that in, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I love to be touched, you know, even if it's just a graze or just someone um, mm-hmm. uh, um, resting a hand, you know, that connection, you know, point. Um, I just I love that. And, and she does that. And, and she um, 
is just very, very connected uh, to mm. to all the students in the class. And it's it's um to me, it makes it more personable and not just me doing my practice, but I'm I'm having that connection, you know, uh, on a deeper level also. So again, that's that I'm a touchy feely person. So I like that. But I also know that there are people who don't like that also. So, yeah. Definitely. There, there are two camps. And I think a lot of people that I'm um, just my speculation, you know, we're so many of us are starving for connection and we don't even realize that we're starving for touch, but that puts us in a place of vulnerability. And so, you know, many people don't want, just don't want to be touched, but yet I really think deep inside they're starving for it. Um, and then I also know we have to honor that there are people that have had trauma. And so we have to be really mindful about when and where and how we touch. And, and like you said, I love that your teacher asks for permission. So I think that's important too, to, to honor the student and not knowing, you know, if you don't know them very well, especially. Right. The, uh, so, and so I want to now talk about this because, you know, I just so happened to, in today's morning meditation that this came to me and, and we're talking about it. I mentioned it in the beginning was about the concept of, of slow. Mm. And, and one of the, and so what came to me too was it, it was so weird because like I heard it like really clear and I, I have not had time to sit in space with what, what I heard. And, and so obviously I'm just saying this out loud here for the first time and, and hearing you guys talk about it. But, you know, the voice, whatever it was said, you know, Chris, slow down. And so mm-hmm. I'm, and it's, but, and it, and it was weird because it shouted it, you know, like Chris, slow mm-hmm. down. And so, you know, if AV knows me and most people know me, I'm, if I go any slower, I might just go backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, really? They want you to slow down? And so I think, <laughs> and so the way, however, the way I'm sensing it is not necessarily for me to slow down, but for me to, to start really um, voicing that message so that other people can hear me tell them to slow down and not that I'm better than you. So I'm slow and you need to be slow, but that, that, that message needs to be shouted louder to the masses, maybe to the masses. And it's interesting that, you know, Marsha, you're talking about this, you know, obviously we haven't talked about this before getting on, you know, with the idea of, you know, what you're saying and, you know, with that cool joke and stuff like that. Be a snail. Be a snail. Return of the turtle. Return of the turtle. Return of the turtle. But so, so, but, and and obviously we talk about it because of the way that society is now, but what are your thoughts on on the, on the idea of, of slowing down? Mm. Can we make this a three hour, (laughs) three three hour hour tour, right? (laughs) Like an island. So you have to go to a desert, a deserted island to really slow down. There you go. Island syndrome. Um, yeah, I feel that, man, we are just so, we so need it. You're right. And I think that if people even stop for a little bit, they might hear that same scream, like slow down. But I think we've forgotten how to do it, or it might feel really uncomfortable. Um, you know, our society um, rewards us for continually pushing, 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 going, going, going. Uh, It's like the cult of speed. We're all like going, doing, doing, you know, even when we greet people, we're like, Hey, how are you? Are you keeping busy? You know, just, it just, and we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm keeping busy. Right. So that, that, 
just constant need for feeling like we have to be doing something all the time. Um, I, I feel um, excited to know that, you know, meditation is, is growing in popularity. And if people are getting a taste, uh, just a little taste of slowing down, they're amazed. I'm sure you find this, like, you know, maybe you just do the simplest meditation with them and they come up and say, wow, Number one, I had no idea that I could sit still for five minutes. Number two, it was actually kind of pleasurable. And, you know, so I feel that the awareness is starting to rise on the need to slow down. Um, the stress levels are through the roof. And, you know, so many uh, doctor's visits are stress-related. And, and thank goodness many healthcare professionals are now prescribing slowing down or meditation to people. So, you know, I, I feel hopeful. I feel uh, that it's, it's promising to know that um, there's more resources now for people to slow down. You know, there's so many apps that allow free meditations. And, uh, but I, uh, I'm sure you guys see this. I see that people have the desire or when they have the desire you'll show them how to meditate, but then the habits are so much stronger that it's often hard for them to implement this mm -hmm. idea of meditation. Yeah. I, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day and they shared with me, you know, there, there are, and this is going to sound like I'm going off on a sidebar, but bear with me. It'll circle back around. When I talk about this, the cult of speed and this fast paced whitewater rapids you know, life that we live in, it's, it's, we're conditioned, it's pushed on us. And there, you know, if you think about it, there are four legal drugs, caffeine, nicotine, sugar, and alcohol. And the first three drugs, caffeine, nicotine, and sugar are productivity drugs. They keep us going faster, longer, you know, produce more, stay up later, I don't need much sleep. Um, and then, so those, those keep us going. And then the alcohol is often needed for people to come down. Like I just need to relax. I don't know how to relax. Oh, I'll have a glass of wine and you know, nothing wrong with a glass of wine. I'm not being judgy here, but we often fall. And I heard it called the caffeine Cabernet cycle mm. where we need things to bring us up and we need things to bring us down and we're not even aware of it. It's just part of our lifestyle. But the beautiful thing is, and we know that there, there are other practices, you know, we can use a yoga practice to bring us up or calm us down. We can you know, use, uh, utilize breath work. We can meditate. So, you know, I'm part of my mission, and I know yours as well, is to show people that there is another way that you can, um, you know, move away from the frantic pace of life and give your nervous system a, a break and, um, and feel so much better than, you know, <laughs> I know a lot of my fr friends, I used to be the same way, like just trying to get off caffeine. Oh, I can't, I have headaches. I can't get off of it. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, so uh, does that answer your, your question? Um, well, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, and you bring in some interesting points and I'd never, you know, thought about that. You know, I do like coffee, but, I, but, and I know it's a legal, you know, a, a legal drug. And I never, I, because obviously, because I have a, a really deep meditation practice, I have no problems, you know, 
kind of shutting that off, slowing down and going to sleep at eight o'clock if I wanted to. <laughs> sure. uh, but, yeah. uh, but I can definitely see, you know, that cycle uh, of, and like you're saying, I mean, what's, it was, was fascinating too, is the fact that, you know, we, we're, we're, we're very productive. We become a very productive society. We know how to get things done. We get things done, but yet we don't have time, you know, for meditation or we don't have time you know, for, for a, um, a, a routine or a practice, you know, of, of yoga, of, of that movement, that inner healing. And so I, I do feel that this, you know, like you're saying, you know, the cults of speed, I do feel that slowing down is going to, um, continue to rise and not necessarily slowing down where we, you know, turning back into cavemen or, or we're just, mm-hmm. you know, squashing technology altogether, you know, but I do feel that, there can be a beautiful harmony between, you know, technology of getting things done as well as slowing down. And I feel that perhaps it comes with knowing when to quit, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing when to say at 8 p.m. I'm done. Right. Well, and hopefully that, you know, because yoga is clearly, you know, um, very popular. Meditation is becoming more and more popular that people begin to use these practices before it's, you know, too late, meaning Mm -hmm. that the body begins to start shutting down and you have to do something Mm -hmm. instead of moving in this direction because you have an opportunity and a choice to do something. You know, we as humans, we tend to push the limits, you know, Mm -hmm. on on every (laughs) single um, capacity and clearly that doesn't work. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate not to get very sick, you know, knock on wood and, and I can feel it coming on. And if I'm, if I'm pushing that limit and then like, okay, I hear you. And then and I start backpedaling or I'm meditating more, or I'm doing specific clearing meditations and, and, you know, moving, moving that energy out and you do the same thing. You can feel it coming. So you require sleep to, um, uh, to, to heal. And obviously we know that, Sleeping is um, the best way to reduce sleep. Um, that's you know what, what was in our training, and then and then meditation uh, to reduce stress. The, the, yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Sleep and sleep. 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 I like sleep that. and sleep. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's meditation and and yoga and and so forth. But it's just you know making um, making that um, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so and and you say you say something interesting. I want to kind of uh, um, you know go go off of that too. And so, and actually, I, I want to say this for those of us or those of you who are listening to this, because I know that we're talking about, you know, the speed. And so, you know, it can be like, and I know people are going to be out there, maybe nodding their head right now and saying, you know what, Chris, you're right. Technology, it sucks. And social media is doing it and Instagram and WhatsApp and all this other stuff. And right automatically, uh, I just want to stop everyone and say, stop it, because it's not technology. It's not social media. It bottom line, it comes to self-awareness. I can be surrounded by a, a, a ton of social media accounts and a ton of technology, but if I don't have the self-awareness to know when to be still and when to move, then that has nothing to do with the tools. It has to do with my own self-awareness and my own egoic misidentification of knowing when to step back. So I know people like to blame social media a lot. And so it, social media has its things. I'm not saying it's, it's, I'm not giving it the free pass. However, I am going to say that, you know, when it comes to speed and, and it comes to all this and not being able to slow down, 
it's not social media. That to me, it comes down to self-awareness. Yeah, we're in control of our time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I believe that change begins with choice, right? Yes. One choice after another. And you're right. It's, it's, but the awareness is a beautiful quality or gift that we receive from consistent practice. You know, both of you have very heightened awareness. So like you just spoke about, you know, when you're starting to get tired or overworked and you, you're awake, you're more awake and you feel it where many people just, you know, maybe aren't that awake yet. And they, they feel symptoms and maybe just mask it with, you know, you know, a a medication or something. So we get less awake, less aware. Um, Two things I want to, can I circle back to what you were asking, Christopher, about, you know, just this whole idea of, of trying for people to find a way to slow down. And, and, you know, it's, it's not so easy. People, you know, we're conditioned the opposite. Uh, I often tell people, I have a couple executives that I work with and they wanted to learn meditation, but when they showed up, they were really concerned up front about, well, now will I lose my edge? Will I lose my productivity? Will I lose my, you know, I, I really, I need that, you know, that, that ramped up feeling inside of me to, you know, to be, uh, be my best. And, so we talked about that for a little bit and I just kind of explained to them the importance of what I call downshifting in order to uplevel your life. You know, if you learn these, uh, for them, I would often say it's energy management tools and there's so many other benefits, of course, but uh, I heard Jerry Seinfeld speak on a podcast and it, it was profound what he said, at least it resonated with me. And he said, you know, energy is the fuel of life. And who doesn't want more energy so that we can be productive, right? But from this, this natural source, this power that we tap into when we meditate. And he, Jerry meditates twice a day for 20 minutes. And he said, I would no sooner skip my meditation than I would go all day without eating because fuel. He said, I have an amazing career. And if I meditate in the morning, then I have ample energy to put into my creativity and my career. And he goes, I have an amazing wife and children. And if I meditate in the evening, then I know I have energy to put good quality time in with my family and enjoy them. So for him, you know, one of the things that keeps him coming back is that it's energy management. He gets to refuel, um, you know, recharge in a really positive, healthy way. So good. You know, I'm going to have to go listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, after, remember where I heard it. You know, it's one of those. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'll see if I can, I can find, find it because I, I do. And a lot of people don't, well, I don't say a lot of people, but, you know, he is that Jerry Seinfeld is definitely one of those people that don't, that are not, um, that people, you know, maybe want, would like to consider knowing a lot more about him because he is a very interesting person. Obviously, you know, they had given or they offered him and that whole crowd of in the Seinfeld community, a ton of money to, to do another season. And he, at that point decided, was like, no, um, you know, we, you, there's nothing more to say. And the, they basically, um, you know, they didn't accept all this money that the, the television stations were throwing at them. And they said, no, it's, it's done, you know, and it's time to move on. And, you know, of course, anybody else would have probably been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll keep on taking the money. And, you know, and they didn't, and it, and it, and you have to, you have to have, you have to have a, a, a level of awareness to be able to 
to know and to say, no, I don't want that no more, you know, because mm -hmm. I have enough already, you know, I don't need to, you know, to, to continue to, um, you know, to, to go down this safety path of, of what I've been given, you know, all these other years. Right. Well, and it's also too the, I think it's a big misconception where people, they don't have time to meditate, you know, because they're too busy, you know, you don't, um, you don't have that little bit of five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes or preferably 20, you know, to, to sit, but it's, it's in that sitting. Um, and it's what happens outside of meditation where all we call them downloads, right? These downloads happen and your creativity is sharper. Your intuition is more engaged. You know, I think that there's, um, saying if you don't have time to meditate, then you need to sit for an hour <laughs> and it's true, right? It, it's, um, I get so much clarity, uh, um, not necessarily in meditation, but outside of meditation. I think that's another misconception that it's supposed to have like all these sparklers and colors and epiphanies in meditation. And that's not the case. You know, it's, no. it's just creating that space of letting this nervous system settle. Um, and then it's kind of like the analogy that I like too, is, you know, when you're at a lake or, at the, at the beach and you're walking in the shallow water and you ruffle up all the sand, you can't see your feet. But if you still, if you stand still, then the water mm. becomes clear. That stillness is what's happening to your nervous system. It be, it begins to gain clarity. And in that clarity, everything becomes um, more sharp and more um, magnificent, more magical. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. It, I know that, you know, I always say this too, that if there was, and I'm going to say two books, because obviously, uh, because it, it's not number one for me, but if I was to go to an island and say, you can, know, Chris, you can only take two books. One of them, of course, would be The Course in Miracles. Everybody might now knows that. The second one would be The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite books of all time. And so my question to you is, is do you have any, um, you know, for someone who's who may be interested in kind of, you know, as as far as the information and stuff like that, do you have any like recommendations as far as books or, or practices where, where people can, you know, kind of, you know, dive into this aspect of yoga? Um, wow. There's, that's a good question. There's so many books on yoga. Um, uh, let's see, you know what? I have one. I can't move away here because I have my headphones in, but it's called true yoga. And I can't remember the author. Let me just, I'm just going to grab it here really quick. Is that okay? If I disconnect sure. two seconds, I'm just going to yeah. grab the book. Sure. True yoga. And for those uh, listening, well, I'll make sure I have this in the show notes in your you podcast player. You guys can talk player. amongst yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. Um, uh, the author is Jenny Lee. J-E-N-N-I-E. -N -N -E, Jenny Lee. Um true yoga. We actually use this in our teacher training program. It's called, uh, the tagline is practicing with the yoga sutras mm. for happiness and spiritual fulfillment. Ooh, nice. Yes. And I, it's really a down to earth guide to applying the sage wisdom of the yoga sutras. You might want to check that out, Christopher. I, yeah. I, I, you know what though? I love the, I love the, the Patanjali, like Patanjali yeah. and, and I have to reread it like every, I would say, so, you know, I've, honesty and my truth, I would say every three years I'm reading it uh, and, and I, I'm almost due for, you know, for, for, for reading it this year. You see, the situation I've been having, and I say situation because it's never such a thing as a problem, 
is that, you know, and it started last year. And last year was the first year in a very, very long time that I did not read a book. And the reason was for that was I did that intentionally. And that was so that I can read the book that's inside of me. And so with that, I allowed the space so I can read the information that my soul already has. And so, and and that just forced me to make sure that I showed up every single day to meditate 365 days a year. I would say that I tackled about that. I meditated probably perhaps for 340 ish days of 365, um, you know, every single day, every morning tapping in into that information of my soul. And so, but I would say that I'm, I'm, you know, this year I'm definitely due to, you know, to pick up some old ones, like, you know, the Tao, I started reading the Tao, mm-hmm. um, just this, uh, just this last day. week, just yeah. the other day. And, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, because I feel that these, you know, these books that they're tried and true. And if yeah. you read these books, you, you read every other book. Well, yeah. and the Bhagavad Gita is another one. Yes. The yeah. We have Gita. that one. Yeah. That one. Yes. That's a good old. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. There's so yeah. many, there's like so many resources that are, I know. And um, sometimes I get overwhelmed. I have so many books because I love books and I look at them and I think, well, I haven't read that one and I haven't read that one <laughs> and I haven't read that one. I hope to get to that one. <laughs> and then I get all anxious because I have all these books that I haven't read that are looking at me. Um, but, and you know, right. I love books. They're such a great source of knowledge. A long time ago, someone said to me, you know, he held up a book and he said, you see this book, this is a beautiful thing. And, you know, his interpretation is like, this is someone's opinion in this book. This is someone's opinion. And which is true. And we all have our own experiences. And I like what you were saying, Christopher, about just giving yourself space to hear your own voice, your own opinion, your own wisdom. I think that sometimes it's good to take a, you know, a media fast from the books and the podcasts and the, uh, you know, there's so much coming at us that we need to be maybe really selective on, I have this much time. I'm only going to listen to the Aviom, Aviom podcast, <laughs> right. um, but I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm feeling that way too. My word last year was space. I just needed to give Ooh. myself space because there's so much oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to read and so many things I want to do. And really, um, I think I would benefit more from just slowing down and finding space. So that was my focus last year. How did you do? You know, I did pretty well. I I mean, I still filled up my calendar with a lot of events that I wanted to, but I found myself um, practicing with this whole concept of, as we talk about, you know, in yoga meditation, being like really what does it mean to be which is very foreign it felt very foreign I think Aviana maybe helped me was it in Deepak's training where he talked about how our normal human tendency is this order doing Mm -hmm. thinking feeling being right and if we can learn to reverse that order it's so much more powerful learn to be first. And then from that place of being, we can actually access how we feel or want to feel from that place of feeling. Then we can make decisions. We can think and make decisions and then go into doing. Right. And so I was because just, most of us just think and do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I like, can you, can you say that? Can you repeat that one again? I like that. Yeah. Um, so we're hardwired to be doing, then thinking, then maybe feeling, and then being. Many of us don't even know how to be a, how to be, how to be a human being. And he said it, there's power in learning to reverse that order where we get comfortable with being, which meditation helps us do. And then from that place of being, we can actually feel, we can feel our emotions and our sensations and our body and feel, and even ask ourselves in my life, how do I want to feel? And then from the clarity there, we can, you know, we start to think about that, like, what actions can I take to help me feel more free or feel more brave or courageous? Then we actually can go with clarity into the doing mode. Now I'm going to do things that um, make me feel the way I want to feel. Yeah, that action, that action step. Because when we reverse it, you know, moving into the place of being first, and having that self-awareness, because in the being is where the awareness sits, then a lot of times what happens, at least from people that I work with and that I see or come to see me, um, we have this this wanting, right? And we have this inspiration, but we lack the follow through. We lack the um, movement to make it happen because we get stuck in the wiring of lack or what we've always done, you know, the, it's the, the path of least resistance, if you will. And so then we keep on repeating the same pattern of suffering that we no longer want, but yet is easier. Whereas if we go into the being of self-awareness and move into the, the aspect of feeling, then that gives us that inspiration in order to execute the desire of the soul. That's pretty, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's better good write that right down, there. Christopher. Better write that down. <laughs> right. Make sure you get that. That's you like know, getting off the karmic hamster wheel we talk about. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And, right. Um, you know, cause, and you said this, you said this um, earlier about the, the, you know, with the mental overload or the, you know, the information overload that we're receiving, which is the reason last year, you know, I decided that I didn't want to read anything because I felt that. I was getting this information overload and just kept on going and going and going. And so it's fascinating that when I'm speaking to people, you know, you know, most people can't buy one book at a time. Well, they buy two or three at a time because they're mm-hmm. on sale or whatever. And, the, and, you know, and you said this, right. But a lot of people do this, you know, they just get all these books, they get all these books and then they don't read them. And if they do, they don't go really in depth with it. So I would put out to the people listening. And, and of course, I'm not telling anyone not to read anything for a year. Instead, read the information in your soul. If you want to do it, awesome. I guarantee you, you'll come up with something that's fascinating. Um, and interestingly enough, Marsha, by not reading anything last year, I came up with this entire concept, 30,000 words on the idea of space, which is oh. interesting that that was your word uh, last year. It wasn't my word last year. Maybe it should have been because I wrote a lot about it. Uh, by not reading, that's the information that was downloaded, uh, you know, into my, you know, into my awareness. However, I would say, um, again, I'm not telling people not to read, but if you're going to read this year, whatever it is, I would tell people to challenge yourself, you know, to read maybe only three books for the whole year. And so you become, you know, very mindful, very intentional with the book you're going to read. And not only with that, you're going to sit with that book. And you're actually going to extract the information 
that the book is giving people because most people they don't do that they just read from page one to 257 and then they just go on to the next and to the next and to the next and they don't retain apply it or, or apply, or apply it. the information that mm-hmm. some of these books have now imagine you know i just you know an av just mentioned that you know i picked up the dow that we had and i started going through that and so now if i'm saying to myself well i'm only going to read four books this year that being one of them that means that i'm typically i'm going to be with that book for the next you know two months you know three months total and but how deep will i be able to go on this one book if i stay with it for three months mm. pretty deep right that's, that's mm-hmm. good advice you know that's really good advice i think almost like a not a book fast, but a book diet to just like pick the ones or two that you really want to not only read, but implement something from it, you know, be inspired from it and actually put that into action. Exactly. And and so the Tao says, you know, you know, you do less and you get more accomplished, you know, and within, you know, in emptiness, you, you find fullness. And so, I mean, these are just, you know, little paraphrases of, of some, really true deep knowledge deep wisdom i should say for sure that you know five thousand years you know and it's still it still holds true and most people still can't grasp that concept of by doing nothing you accomplish everything well just that right there i mean you have to think about that like that Mm -hmm. you have to slow down to even just comprehend that Right. right right and that's and i think that's what i'm getting at is that by slowing down you retain so much wisdom because it's so interesting. Wisdom isn't fast. Knowledge is fast. Knowledge is fast. Wisdom is slow. Wisdom mm. is, and not wisdom is um, you. It, it takes less wisdom to fill you. Meaning, yes, like it just is like a little boop boop. It's a little pop pop pop. Right, right, right. So yeah, it doesn't take a lot of wisdom because, to fill because it's so it it's um it's so like it nourishing. Grows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you water it and it grows in, in, inside of you. Yeah. Ooh, that's good stuff too. Right. Good oh. thing we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> you could write a book about that. <laughs> right? Do a Facebook Live on that. Ooh, that's good stuff. Mm, awesome, so, awesome. So, Mark, so what other, uh, you know, would you want to uh, share a part on us, any other small uh, nuggets that, that you may have when it comes to, you know, the, the importance of, of a yoga practice. And perhaps I know you just mentioned that, you know, you're going to have an upcoming class here in September. So, I mean, is so any words that you want to part with us and, and the importance of yoga and perhaps even your class and then where people can find you. Oh, okay. Um, wow, man, there's so many things I could say, but I think what's really been calling out to me lately is that there is a vast population of people out there that really need yoga, but that are extremely intimidated. But number one, the idea of what they see as far as they see, you know, all these wild pretzel positions, or they, you know, see like fast power yoga classes, or just what's shown in the media and experience. And I often tell people, you know, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. And there is a style of yoga for everyone. And really, you know, yoga is about union. It's about bringing your mind, your body, your breath or your spirit together. So even if it's just five, 10 minutes a day of doing some gentle movement, some nourishing movement for your body and you're paying attention, 
you know, it can be the simplest. You can pick some yoga moves or you can just put some music on and and move with it. Um, that yoga is what you make it. And also yoga isn't just what happens on the mat. Yoga is how we live our life. You know, being kind to others, um, offering um, compassion, embracing each other's differences, um, that, you know, living yoga um, in the challenging situations of your life, if you're dealing with a health issue or someone in your family is having a challenge, like there's all these opportunities to extend the qualities of yoga to them. So it's, it's such a deep topic to unpack. There's so many different faucets to it. Um, but I just really encourage people to, if you have a certain notion about what you think yoga is, look at it, go back and research it just a little bit more or, you know, seek out a different teacher or style. There's so much on, on YouTube or on online that you can find now as well. I just wish and hope that everyone can experience the beautiful healing benefits of, of yoga and meditation. So good. And where can people find you? Well, um, pretty simple. I'm on Facebook as Marsha Neeland, Instagram as Marsha Neeland. Uh, my, my studio's website is Fusion Studio CR. So F-U-S-I-O-N Studio and then CR for Cedar Rapids.com. And I also have uh, meditations on Insight Timer. So if people are looking for a little guidance, I would, uh, would love to invite them to, I know you have some there too. So come on over and check us out at Insight Timer. I did your meditation in the Island of Calm the other day. Oh, you did? I did. It's oh, so good. Wow. You should tell me <laughs> next time we can meet up together on the Island of Calm. I oh, love I that. I know. We and for those, soon. We will be. Uh, yes, in, in Mexico. But for those of you who do not know how to spell her name, it's N-I-E-L-A-N-D and Marsha, 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 M-A-R-S-H-A. So, um because other people spell it, you know, a little bit differently. Myself included initially, she goes, um, Marsha with a SH. I'm like, oh, because not very many people spell Marsha with a SH. I love it. And so, and I know you have an upcoming retreat this year and you do this in a, if I'm, am I correct in saying that you do this every year? So you'll be doing it again in 2020? Yes, correct. 2020, we already have the location and, uh, I primarily do a winter retreat to get out of Iowa and we love this time of year. Um, and when things, uh, change, uh, in my life, uh, and allow me to do, I used to do a spring or a spring and a fall retreat. We went to places like Greece and, and, um, um, trying to think where else I went, but other places, I hope to get back to that. And uh, for, for right now, we do the one winter retreat. I do little mini retreats, like for weekends here at my studio. A lot of them are like women's empowerment retreats. So you can find that information out on my website. And then also you, you typically, you know, because I know you like to have an intimate, you know, of people because I know you cap it off and it's typically like, a, you know, you just have a few people that go and I know it typically sells out, right? Right. So it sells out in seconds. <laughs> 20, 20 to 22 women. And um, I like to keep it intimate. You know, I think that just having a smaller number 
lends itself to everybody being a little more open and connected. And there's um, just a really nice vibe when it's smaller. So, um, yeah, but I, I would encourage if more people want to do retreats, I'll find more places to have retreats. Right. I know. And for those of you who are listening, uh, Marsha is going to be gracing our presence uh, in Maui in November Um, this year. Also, she leads our daily yoga. Um, And um, I just have to uh, say this also, when you did our um, yoga in Maui last year in March, Um, I got to see a whole different side of you because obviously, you know, on retreat, it's more um, active where there's more people not really beginning yoga. So we're, we all do yoga. So there's a, there's a lot more activity, but I got to see um, a a different side of your teaching capabilities um, because we had so many new people who've Mm -hmm. never done yoga, never, ever have done yoga. And we were doing it out on, um, the ocean front lawn, which is, you know, fantastic. And there was, I was just, um, ear to ear excited because I got to see this, uh, this other fun loving side of you that I've mm-hmm. not been able to see before. And it was so fun watching you interact with, you know, so many different people and meeting them, you know, where they are. So it was so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. You know, I have to share, I love, love, love teaching beginners. I love, um, introducing people to yoga and seeing them light up the, the ability like, Hey, I can do this. I just, I think teaching yoga is a divine privilege and each student is a gift. And regardless of what their level of experience is, I feel very honored to be able to um, introduce them to this beautiful ancient practice. Mm, so good. Well, thank you for um, spending an afternoon uh, with uh, Christopher and I today. We are so grateful that you joined us and so grateful for uh, your friendship. We love you immensely. And mm. I'm super excited. I get to see you in a couple of weeks. So. I'm excited too. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love you guys both. And Christopher, I'm looking forward to seeing you do yoga again in Maui. I saved that video, you know, so I, I have it in my stash. Thank you guys for the opportunity. I just am telling you, I love your podcast. I listen to it on my drive to visit my mom each week. And, um, you guys are doing an amazing job. I just, I love your voices. I love your energy. I love the people that you're interviewing and, you know, just keep doing what you're doing because the world needs to hear what you have to say. As, as well as you, because you're making a huge impact yourself. So I'm glad we're all on the same team doing it together. So thank you. you. Awesome. Love you. We'll we'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.